0: Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck.
1: Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy. Five, four, three, two, one.
0: Walter is gone, but the show must go on. <laughs> How long
1: have you been holding on to that one, Paul?
0: Quite a while. So long, in fact, that I did not have time to come up with a Dan Duquette pun, other than we cannot forget Duquette. Okay. Uh, yeah, of course, I'm referring to the fact that Dan Duquette and Buck Walter are on their way out of the Orioles organization. Welcome to the Mass All Access podcast. Paul Mancano, Bobby Blanco from the Warehouse in Oriole Park and Camden Yards. We've got plenty to discuss. Of course, Buck and Dan heading out of the Orioles organization. We're going to touch on some potential replacements. We're going to talk about what kind of legacy both of these guys left in this organization. And we're going to talk about who else we could see on the move uh, within the next month and who the Orioles could be interviewing for those open slots. But first off, Bobby, how has your couple days of offseason been?
1: It's been relaxing, actually. You know, get to enjoy. I mean, obviously, we would prefer to see our teams in the postseason, but, yes. you know, when you're kind of preparing or know that they're not going to make it for months on end, especially with the Orioles, yes. it's kind of like, all right, let's just get there. Yeah. Um, you know, I think for what it's worth, September was a little more exciting with the emergence of the Cedric Mullins. You got DJ Stewart up here. You got to see some young guys kind of show off what they could do. Um you know, not providing too much, you know, nothing like, oh, we're all in for 2019. But, yeah. you know, a little glimpse in the future. That was fun. But, you know, enjoyed watching some postseason baseball. We got extra games on Monday with yes. two game 163s in the NL. Um, Which was so
0: weird because all of those teams were already in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It was just a matter of what, where they were going to end up.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's crazy to think that the Cubs basically lost two elimination games back
0: to back at home. I saw a stat that they were the number one team in the the number one seed in the NL going into the last game of the regular yeah. season, and they fell from that all the way down to, to the first eliminated. team eliminated. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's incredible. Yeah, and it sucks for me because they were my uh, pre-postseason pick to win the World Series um, on other podcast.
0: Hey, mine was the Nats, so. Yeah. Well, no, pre-postseason.
1: Either. when we do re- oh, oh, re- oh. We can also do that later in the podcast, too, <laughs> kind of see now that we're down to our uh, eight teams. Um but yeah, it was pretty chill, pretty relaxing. Good. You know, you and I spent some time away from the studio more often than we've ever had this entire season. So, Two whole you know, days. kind of relax. Um How about you? You got to go home.
0: I did. It was nice. Got a couple of days off. And of course, you get called back in because... Some breaking news. news. Breaking Not news. breaking
1: news, but, you know, it news.
0: Yep. One, I think, uh, was the more expected bit of news, that being the first bit of news that Buck Showalter... Will not return in 2019. He will fulfill the rest of his contract, which runs through the end of October. And then he is out of the organization entirely, not coming back in any role. That came about uh, mid-morning yesterday. That one was kind of expected. The fans even expected that one a little bit by the applause that they gave um, Buck Walter in his final game at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Eight and a half-ish seasons, almost nine full seasons. It is a shame that he leaves with a losing record, fifteen games under five hundred. Considering he went to the playoffs three times in those nine seasons, uh, he had winning records at or above five hundred in five of those seasons, and really just brought back winning culture in yeah. Baltimore. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, like you said, since August twenty ten, when he first came aboard. He went uh, 669 and 684, yep. but if you take away 2018, he was 622 and 569. So quite, I mean, t- 2018 really did a damper on his managerial record here in Baltimore, yeah. which is unfortunate, um, and obviously not entirely his fault this year. I mean, I, I think 2018 is always going to be that outlier, and people will not think fondly on this past season when they think of Buck Showalter's ten tenure, but. You know, and it also kind of started last year in September with the kind of the collapse. Yep. You know, they entered last September um, one game out of the second wild card in the American League, and then um, it kind of fell apart, and then it continued over to this year. Um, but, you know, like I said in our uh, last episode a couple weeks ago, Buck and Dan Duquette, too, to an extent, um, provided this city and this fan base some of its most memorable memories or moments in recent history, you know, the first they uh, broke a streak of 14 consecutive losing seasons. You know, me growing up an Orioles fan, all I knew was losing pretty much because yeah. I was a little too much too young to remember the mid 90s teams, yeah. Um, and the first playoff appearances and first division title in yeah. 20 years or whatever that's it was. a whole generation, right? Worth of losing yeah. that he had, yeah. To and have. so, and uh, and you know, blob lots been talked about, you know, it's hard to change that culture and Buck was asked to do that and he did it and it's I think a lot and no one's ever gonna I think um think poorly of Buck Showalter in this town he he expressed his love for the city and I think people in the city love him for what he's done and um you know it's just a shame that it did have to end this way and um it's it's sad it's a sad day in Baltimore I know a lot of Orioles fans feel that way but um, I think the Buck-Sherwalter departure hurts more than the, the Dan Duquette departure. We can get into that a little bit later in, in terms of an emotional standpoint for the fan base, but nonetheless, it's an end of an era at Baltimore.
0: It is, and Buck, it is, you mentioned the recency bias that I think many of us have at this point, thinking about the last season and then the last month or so of the 2017 season, but As time goes on, I think it'll help heal those wounds in terms of the damage that this season did to his legacy. I think, hopefully, and people have thrown out whether he'll be an Orioles wall of fame or hall of famer, um, and end up there. I think he could at this point, um, considering what he did for the organization.
1: He's the second in franchise history in wins and longevity, only to Earl Weaver. Yeah. <laughs> Earl Weaver's numbers retired at Camden Yards. I mean, if that doesn't at least earn you a, a, a Hall of Fame inductee, I don't know what does. Yeah. I mean, again, take out this season, which I will always go on record and say it wasn't his fault. Yeah. You know, he had to do with the chips he was dealt. And they weren't the best chips. <laughs> so um, I think he yeah, absolutely deserves that recognition. And, and, you know, him and his wife have made a home here. His sons are scouts in the organization. His son is a scout in the organization. Yep. So, you know, they were very much at home and welcomed here in Baltimore. And I think that we'll probably can t- carry on in the future. It is interesting, however, that we did get reports that, you know, there were considerations. Yeah to offer him a new position in um, in the organization. And that's kind of the route I was, well, I would have gone for had you're not going to bring him back to the manager. Look, to me, if you're going to ask me, yes, I would have brought him back solely because he's done this before, this rebuild thing before, and he knows his team better than anyone, and this year was entirely his fault. But I also totally understand worst team in baseball, franchise uh, high in losses, you know, it's 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 hard to argue yeah. to bring back that guy, and yeah. I totally get that. Yeah. Um. But I would, I kind of did think and slash hope that, had that been the case, they maybe would have just moved him into a front office position. Um. But instead, obviously, they're going for a complete overhaul in the entire organization.
0: And it is kind of a shame because I think in his three previous managerial stops, I don't think Buck Walter ever got a real fair shake. I thought Baltimore was the first place that he really got a fair shake. Because in two of those places, he took them to the playoffs. He took teams that were either losing or didn't exist and made them relevant. He did that with the Yankees in the 90s. He brought back winning to the Yankees, which... Can't be uh, overstated how much that means to that organization. With the Diamondbacks, that was a brand new team and a brand new market, and he put them on the map in his three seasons. Won 100 games in his second season. With the Rangers, didn't have as much success, but clearly, I think, had some signs of success as the team was going along. I think it was another instance of not having the pieces. Baltimore was the first place he ever had extended uh, period of success and ever got really to go to the postseason more than once uh, with that team, which is kind of crazy to think about. Finally got a fair shake, but once the team started going downhill, he couldn't see that through.
1: Right, yeah, and um, like you said, the his previous three stops, the most he was, were, was there was four years. He did four years in New York, four years in Texas, yeah. and he did nine years here in Baltimore. So, yeah, definitely got his fair shake here. His first real opportunity to be the manager. And think about this, Paul. I mean, I've been here. I've been working at Masson since 2012. I've known, over that course of time, I've known four Nats managers, because <laughs> we cover the Nats too, and yeah. I've know, only known Buck Walter right. as the Orioles manager. So it is a sad day for me too. And it just goes to show how great he was as a manager. I mean, Caleb Joseph went on record. He's the best in-game manager maybe still managing today. This, is, yep. this was on Sunday um, during, after the final game of the season before he was actually officially released. So, you know, there's – I mean, maybe you could say maybe Bruce Bochy, but other than that, I mean, Buck Showalter plays the the bullpen game like a fiddle and, and can plays the matchup game better than anyone else in, in all of baseball. So, yeah, he, he established himself as a legit manager, not just a guy who comes into these situations and has good teams – and, you know, builds upon that because everyone obviously everyone knows that in the cases of the Yankees and the Diamondbacks, the year after he left, they won the World Series. Yeah. Um, no, he got his fair share here in Baltimore with eight-plus seasons and um, established himself, obviously with his winning record, yeah. take away this year, past year, as one of the best managers in, in, in all of the sport.
0: You mentioned Bruce Bochy. Bochy is the only guy who has more experience, managerial experience right now who has a current job and Buck obviously is on his his way out, but he has 20 years of experience, 20 years of managerial experience and Bruce Bocce has 21. So Buck has been around a long time and we're going to talk about more who the Orioles could target and what kind of person they would want to see. Maybe somebody with less experience than a Buck Showalter. But I think one more thing on Buck before we get into Dan Duquette, his team's one I think he obviously brought back winning culture in Baltimore, but also uh, defense. He built defensive, great defensive-minded teams for several years built on the backs of Manny Machado and J.J. Hardy and Adam Jones and guys like that. Uh, And that was something that was a staple of his teams in Baltimore. Uh, And beyond that, he made the most out of what he had. I think that is a, a trend that, you know the Orioles were never in each of their three seasons that they made the playoffs were not predicted to make the playoffs each of those years and I think that speaks to him being able to make the most of making lemon out of lemonade making the most out of those those pieces that I mean you look at uh, some of the the guys that were on those teams that started important games that played important games and guys that have since washed out of the league because they're not much, but he got them to contribute the most that they had.
1: Right, you think Joe Saunders started the 2012 yep. wild card game against the Rangers that the, the Orioles won? Yep. What, what, what I think about when you mentioned that, Paul, is there were seasons where the Orioles set record for one loss wins, or sorry, one run wins, wins. and yeah. best defensive metrics over the course of a season? Yeah. That stuff doesn't come from you know. payroll you know you know buy. you can't you don't buy defense you don't buy one run wins you know that comes from the coaching staff and the manager manager so i mean that is you're right that's what buck showalter brought to this team you know playing his bullpen right finding the right matchups using what he got in terms of the roster standpoint and getting the best of it Um, and i think that's incredible what he's done again sad day that he he is out um, but Buckshaw Walter did an amazing job as a manager and uh, another interesting thing about it is you know, we again we we were reported that he wasn't off another position in the organization you know does he want to continue yeah. you know you know he's oh, let's see 62 62 you know does he want to he you, will be 63 in May. So does he want to continue playing or ma- sorry, managing and or being involved in Because It's a long season. It's yeah. a long, you know, now he's got a grandchild, you know, does he want to maybe take some time off yeah. and spend time with his family?
0: It's rare that uh, you see a guy go to five teams, right. five different franchises. Right. Um, so
1: it, it'd be interesting to see. I, w- I also wonder, if, I mean, we know now that he wasn't reported, but I was wondering if it was maybe a mutual decision where it's like, well, we want to move you to the front office. I don't know if I really want to do that right now. Right.
0: So, yeah. If you haven't read Rock Kabako's article, by the way, on MassInSports.com, you definitely should. He's got plenty of great nuggets in there, and he does a great job of somebody who has been here for the entirety of both Dan Duquette and Buck Walter's 10 years here in Baltimore. So he has a great grasp of what these two contributed. Let's switch over to Dan Duquette, who the more surprising move came later in the day. I think it was more surprising because the fact that he was allowed – to rebuild the team in terms of making those big deals right before the deadline, trading Manny Machado, Brad Brock, Zach Britton, Kevin Gosman, all those guys, and get the pieces, the foundational pieces of what they hope is a successful rebuild, and yet he's not going to be here to see it through. So the thinking is, why would you let him get those pieces if you're not going to let him put them all together? Right. I, I b- uh, That
1: article you mentioned about Rocco from this morning, show Walter Duquette in the end of another era, You know, he mentions at the very start that there were four scenarios that yeah. the ors could have gone. To me, there's only two. Uh-huh. Either you bring them both back or you let go both of them go. I can't, I don't, for me personally, I don't like the idea of letting one go and keeping the other. Especially this, I don't think you let Duquette go and keep Buck, even though that's probably what I would have done. But, if you're asking me, like, gun to
0: my head, but... Yeah. Um, well, it's tough because the what he mentions in that piece, too, is that usually, typically, the GM hires the manager. Right. So you wouldn't want to let go of the GM so that the next GM would have to come in with the manager in place and right. not get to bring in his own guy. And then the other way around... If you, you fire Buck, that would be the mo- more likely scenario that you just let Dan Duquette hire right. the next guy. Right. Right, but they'd right. made a determination within the past few days, I guess, that Yeah, they were going to make this decision. Yep.
1: And so to me, it's the right decision. If you're going to let one go, let them both go and completely do this rehaul. Um, the part that I found interesting is that they're going to do the outside hire route. Right. Yep. And I, I had thought maybe they were going to... Because, again, with the rebuild, it's tough to bring... I mean, like you just said... Duquette brought in all these players. He, I mean, give him credit. He got 15 players and in international bonus money for five players. It's yeah. a great job. But those are completely different. You know, that's a whole bunch of new faces to the organization. Now you're bringing someone who doesn't know them, who hasn't been around since July. Uh, and
0: might evaluate them a whole lot differently. A whole than.
1: lot differently and not utilize them yeah. the way that – and, and uh, Rock Kubako also says that Duquette also had this plan for the rebuild. So right. he obviously had a structure set for these players. Um, and if the new guy might not go that route, and, and it, it, that's a good point, evaluate them differently. So, yeah, I think um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where they target his replacement, if, if not from the inside, because I thought that's the route they were yeah. going to go. And that it's, you know, I hate to say it, but it's kind of feeling like, you know, obviously we're taking two steps back, letting these two guys go, but now going outside higher, you might be taking three or four steps back.
0: And when you look at some of the internal candidates that they had, they had guys that maybe didn't have a whole lot of experience, but they had names that had been floated out there in the past. Brady Anderson has been a quick riser in the organization. Uh, Guys like um, uh, Brian Graham, who is now taking over uh, for the meantime, while they hire somebody who is the director of player development. These are guys that were already in place, have an establishment that probably had some say in who was acquired at the deadline, so they already know and have have evaluated those players. And you look at also what they the the kind of people that they have brought in to help their front office in terms of advisors. They've brought in legends. They've brought back uh, Brooks Robinson technically mm-hmm. as an advisor. Um, they've made these moves. Eddie Murray Eddie another, yep, uh, is another it. advisor. So they've made these moves, I guess, to stabilize the organization. And I thought that that would be kind of a plan to let – if they were going to let Duquette go, let him go. Let somebody else within the organization step just step up. right up. You're right, yeah, and that's,
1: that's the risk you're going to run if you're going to go to the outside hire because, again, we don't know how he's going to mesh with all yeah. those people. You know, how is the new – GM or exec, whatever you want to call it, going to match with Brady Anderson in the yeah. front office, and who's the new? And obviously, this has huge ripple effects on the coaching staff because whoever the new manager is is going to want to bring in his own guys, yeah. his own coaches, and how's that going to not only affect the major league club but the minor league club True. coaches too? So yeah, it's it's an interesting route, but yeah, they made the, the Orioles made their decision they want to do a complete rebuild, complete overhaul, and. It's hard to blame him, too. Honestly, with the worst season in franchise history, you know, you got to make some dramatic changes, and that's what they're going for.
0: So let's talk about Duquette and the kind of legacy that he leaves. I think Buck's is a whole lot clearer to look at because of the immediate success that he was able to have and the way he captured the imagination, I think, also of the city. The city really rallied behind Buck as the face of the franchise. Dan Duquette leaves behind a little bit of a murkier... Legacy, I think. Uh, I think he is somebody who made some good moves uh, that Roccabacco also mentions in his piece. uh, The kind of moves like getting Nelson Cruz, bringing in Mark Trumbo, uh, Wei Yin Chin, uh, Miguel Gonzalez, Steve Pierce, Nate McClouth, all these guys. Brad Brock, Richard Blyer, a lot of these successful major leaguers who he got basically kind of bargain hunting. uh, Yeah, for nothing. Which he has done a great job of. The things that are blemishes on his resume include the Chris Davis deal, which Rock mentions he was not in favor of, but will undoubtedly go uh, be attributed to him because he's, it happened under his watch. He's tied to it, yep. Uh, not re-signing Nelson Cruz and him going on to have an amazing career uh, after that. Moves like that, I think, are ones that... And, of course, I think at this point you have to consider the moves that before the 2018 season where expected them to be able to contend went out and spent a lot of money and guaranteed years to pitchers like Alex Cobb and Andrew Kashner who are in the latter stages of their career and just misjudged the ability of this team so I think he had some good marks some I think he probably more good moves than bad but the bad moves may stick in fans heads for a little while
1: yeah and I mean with the in terms of the Cobb and Cashner thing I I'll jump on that butt with him I maybe even I overestimated this team's ability this coming into the season I yeah. I mean if you look at it they weren't that much different than last year and they were competitive up until September so you figured you add a couple of veteran starting pitchers and you're good to go I I will always stand by that I think that uh Cashner's and Cobb's respective late starts to the season slowed them down and never let them get um, going and healthy but yeah, the Chris Davis thing again. Mentioned he wasn't in favor for that. It all comes down to also, you know, he's only as powerful as he's allowed to be. Yeah. The international money too. So, how much is he really to blame for it? You mentioned all the guys he brought in for cheap. You know, yeah, he's got to be praised for that too. And um, and those guys played a significant role between those three playoff and for those three playoff runs mm-hmm. in between 2012 and 2016. So I think his legacy. Yeah, unfortunately, unlike Buck, I think he's going to be look more. Down upon, in terms of, well, why didn't you do the international money? Why give 161 million dollars to a guy who has the worst batting average in major league history? Why, you know, sign these veteran pitchers, yada yada yada? Why trade away? All why wait to trade away your top chips in the middle of the season when you showed them before the season? Yeah, you know that could come a question too. And you know, I don't blame him for having faith in this team. I'm sure him and Buck said, hey, you know, we could. We can, you know, we add these certain pieces, we can win this season. And it just didn't work out that way. You you know, you can't predict the future. Baseball is so hard to predict. Um, So, unfortunately, I do think that Dan Duquette is going to be looked, not down upon, but not as fondly as Buck Showalter when you're looking back at his tenure here in Baltimore.
0: And when you look, I think a lot of fans also look at the way that Andy McPhail was able to bring in a lot of talent in terms of drafting some great players from Machado to Scope to others and the fact that they had a lot of this talent and were not able to supplement it with the long-term complementary pieces that you know perhaps a Nelson Cruz could have been that and they ended up having to cycle guys through uh, when they had a solid base already that Andy McPhail had given them and I think I think that is what probably fans we'll look at the most when uh, looking back with frustration upon Dan Duquette's tenure.
1: Yeah, it's almost like you want to put an asterisk next to his name when you're thinking about his tenure and just be like, "Alright, well what was realistic for him to do and what was smart for him to do." Right. So that's what I would do. That's what I how I'm going to look back on Dan Duquette. I think he definitely played a role in you know, the, making the walk. I mean, they made the walk. They made the playoffs his first full season he was hired in November, 2011. Um, And then obviously the first division title in 2014, I think he definitely played a major role in those teams. So he gets a lot of credit for that too, but the way it ended, it's kind of tough to say like, Oh, this guy really helped turn around. I, you know, if it's a pie chart, I'm giving Buck sixty, Dan forty, maybe.
0: <laughs> yeah, in terms of, and and also keep in mind, maybe even
1: maybe more, maybe even more towards the Buck, like seventy five, twenty
0: five. And it's not just the three playoff appearances; it's the five years where they won more games than any other American League team over that five year stretch. Yeah, they
1: had over a fifty five percent winning percentage between twenty twelve and twenty sixteen, which is yeah. great. And and you know, <laughs> talk about we haven't seen the playoffs in. Close to twenty years, fifteen years, fourteen years. Then we get three and five. I mean, yeah. that's. I mean, I will always say Baltimore is a baseball town. Yes, the Ravens. Everyone loves the Ravens. The NFL rules all. Not here. I think yeah. the Orioles rule all in the in the Baltimore city limits and great. They're just they've been here longer. You know the fan base is. I've never. He- I've been to Ravens games. I've never heard even a play. I've been to Ravens playoff games. I've never heard. M&T Bank Stadium as loud as Camden Yards yeah. during Game 2 of the a- 2014 ALDS when Delman Young hit that double. So, I mean, it's just, you know, they 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 care, they're compassionate, they're passionate, sorry, they're passionate and um
0: they're compassionate. Dude. Yeah, they're compassionate. <laughs> too. Yeah.
1: We've met a lot of friends and they're they're great people. So, you know, I think they'll go look back on this they they deserve yeah. those those 5 years.
0: Delman Young also played Dan Duquette Brown. True. Last we for Very true. So that is the legacy that those two leave behind. Let's flip the page and look to the future as to what they could. Bobby literally flips his page as to what they could literally uh, do in the future and who they ha- who they could replace right, Chris Traeger with. Uh, we've heard some names being floated around. First and foremost, we gotta say they will hire a GM first, and that GM will help them hire a manager. So. You don't I guess first and foremost we have to look at GM candidates before we look at managerial candidates. Right. Uh, which is tougher to do. I it guess, is tougher because those guys in front buried in these front offices are tougher to find than guys on coaching staffs or former major league uh, uh, managers, in terms of names you hear floated around, haven't heard too many yet in terms of executives. Usually, you try to poach them from the top organizations. Organiz- you would think organizations like the Yankees, maybe the Athletics, uh, teams that have built sustained success and uh, have really impressed. Any name stick out to you, Bob? <laughs> well,
1: I'm looking at um, Ken Rosenthal. I mean, this is a name, and he's not even connected to the Orioles, but Ken Rosenthal is talking about Red Sox, a former Red Sox GM, mm-hmm. uh, Ben Charrington. So, and he's not in the front office currently, but apparently he's not going to be interviewing for the Mets or Giants openings, but Ken Rosenthal reporting, um, that he remains interested in becoming a GM again in the right situation, wants to build an organization from ground up. He's happy in, cur- in current role as VP of baseball operations with the Blue Jays. Um, I would say the Orioles are way more closer to the ground than the Blue <laughs> yeah. Jays. Yeah. So if you, that's what he wants to do. Seems like Baltimore is the perfect place for you. Yeah. Um, I, if, you know, again, I don't know much about this person. This is just basically, yeah. I literally saw it on Twitter, you know, earlier today. So, uh, yeah, you're right. GM is a much harder position to fill in terms of, like, the floating names out there. I don't, yeah. You and I are not well-versed in uh, front offices front office outside family. of Baltimore and D.C. Yeah. So... Um but that's one name right there. Uh, ben Harrington, a former Red Sox GM, who also, you know, clearly knows the division.
0: Good to know. We'll put the first name on the list. Yeah, we need like ben a whiteboard for this offseason yeah. we'll... with like magnets and names. Uh so that's a GM candidate. It's much easier I think to find potential managerial candidates. The two interesting ones that came out in Rockavaco's piece. There's three. Three interesting ones. Uh First and foremost, he said Mark DeRosa of MLB Network called him leading candidate. Leading candidate.
1: Which how can there be a leading candidate if they're hiring? Yeah. No offense to Rock, but it's, that's a fair
0: question. I think. He, I think he's saying there he would be a leading. He candidate. He would be. So when you look at managers and the managerial hires we've seen around the league, teams are consistently going young, further and further away from the show Walters. And closer and closer to the Dave Martinez, the Gabe Kaplers, uh, the young Bucks, and a lot of times in instances (laughs) where they have very little to no experience. You saw it with uh, Yankees hiring Aaron Boone. There are teams that don't value experience apparently at all, just their knowledge of the game and their ability to relate to players.
1: Right, and um, that is interesting to see. That if the Orioles go that route, I would – I mean, I guess everything I say I would do, the Orioles are do the opposite. I would do <laughs> – literally, I, I would not take that route. You're doing a rebuild. Yes, um, you have a lot of young players, and relating to them is going to be key for this next manager. But you also have to be, have some in-game experience. You can't just run these guys out there and expect right. their pure talent athleticism. I mean – that works for established teams it's not going to work for yeah. basically a triple A team playing in the major leagues. Yeah. So, you know, yes, you're going to have to relate to them, but you're also going to need to know the ins and outs of managing a major league baseball game. Yeah. So, to me that's the wrong move. Go get an experienced manager who is also relatable. <laughs> I mean, that's I, I guess I, I I say that like they're like can be found on trees, but right. that's how, where I would start. Look for a guy who has done this gig before, or right. maybe even at a point, like a triple A manager, you know, right. there's that guy in the Cardinals. Stubby Clap. Stubby Clap. Fantastic name. Think about the memes, Paul. Exactly. The That's, memes. Rock said
0: somebody's going to hire him, for the very least, for the puns and... The promotional, the yeah, yeah, right.
1: Um, go along those routes, I would say, you know. Yes, flashy names like uh, Billy Ripken... Mark Bordick Mark Bordick are, yeah literally are, pulling him out of the broadcast right booth. are are you know popular they will be popular picks in the, in town maybe with the players right. but you know I think Aaron Boone was handed a, a obviously very talented team and a good front office who went and got players needed yeah. to fulfill his spots so exactly. his job is much e- is much easier than whoever's going to take over the Orioles
0: yeah and so anybody who says well look Aaron Boone what, if Aaron Boone did, can do it, yeah. yeah, it's yeah like, Alex
1: Cora can do it, anyone can do it. Well, Alex Cora was a uh, bench coach for the Astros who won a World Series for yeah. a couple of years, and yeah. his team is the best team in baseball, so <laughs> exactly, not that hard.
0: Yeah, the, and the book is not yet written on Aaron Boone as a manager. It's when you have Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge and that kind of talent there, that'll help. Uh, but yeah, I think somebody who... I if I were looking for a managerial candidate, I would look for somebody who has a track record of developing players because that's the most important yeah. step right now. Getting the players to build around that was a big first step, and that was something that they did in terms of getting minor league prospects. The next step is taking these DJ Stewart, Cedric Mullins, Ryan McKenna's, all of these guys. And developing them into productive major league players. So even the Trey
1: Mancini's keep him growing. And, yeah,
0: you know, I mean, it's only a second full season.
1: Let him uh, grow into a, an all star.
0: Yeah, exactly. So that's they use Neil Diaz. You know, you can go on and on. Luis Ortiz, all these guys that are going to take a lot of time, and we should be patient for. But um, it's going to take development as well. The other
1: question, Paul, is who's you know? I mean, obviously they're going to fill a position, but got to think of who else, who's going to want to take this on? Because you're not going to be able to say, oh, I want him. But, you know, he's going to have to want to come here too. Right. It's a two-way street. Yeah. So you have to find a guy in the right situation who's like, all right, I am ready to take that step to bear, you know, it's going to be a rough couple of years. Yep. But have something to work forward to. That's why you're going to have to look for not not a young guy, but like not too old of a guy either. Yeah. Somewhere like, you know, the mid – I don't know, like, you know, 50s range or something, you yeah. know. So he's going to have to be willing to do, take on this, this project. It's a big project. It's yeah. going to take a couple years. And, you know, you don't want to go get a guy who's like, oh, yeah, I can do this. And then after a year, be like, oh, you know what? I don't really want to do this anymore. Yeah. This is yeah. a lot harder than I thought it would be.
0: Exactly. They have to be able to stick around for the long haul. And I think it is good, too, that they're letting the GM hire his own manager because he's probably more willing to be patient with somebody he hired. Right. So he's not going to pull the plug early ah, yes. if things are going bad because we know things can go bad early on with young players in the way that they develop and grow. And there are going to be bumps in the road over the next year or two. Yep. So beyond that, uh, those are the guys that I think we, we should keep an eye on as well. Brad Osmus, another one that we didn't even mention, former Tigers manager, somebody who has managerial experience. How about or- Mike Matheny? Mike Matheny, even fired from the Cubs midseason. Cardinals. Cardinals, sorry. Uh, was replaced midseason. Uh, all of these names. Uh. Those are kind of like. Those guys are also in the age group I was talking
1: about. Like, not yeah. old, but not too young either. Can relate to players. Has done the job. Has been successful. Yeah. And can possibly. Now, the question with those two is like, all right, they've managed good teams before. Are they going to want to take over a rebuild situation? Yeah. Especially
0: but, in their second gig.
1: Correct. That could be a little. Tougher to convince, but you never know.
0: I would say definitely worth a shot. Yeah. So we'll hear a bunch of names thrown out over the next however long it takes to hire a manager. So, and a general manager as well. Let us know what you think, if there are any names that we're missing that we should be talking about right now that you think would make good candidates for GM or manager. Leave those in the comments on our SoundCloud, Apple Play, Google Podcasts. All of that good stuff. I think I got him right. You got
1: him about. you got him switched around.
0: Apple Podcast, podcast Google, Google Play. Play. You we did go. so well last week. I really did. I've been off my game. Two mm. days in the off season, yeah. and I just lose it all.
1: Yeah. The best way to contact us individually too is on Twitter at Bobby underscore blanco.
0: At Paul Mancano. That just about does it for the Mass and All Access Podcast. Rate, subscribe, all that good stuff. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll see you soon.